Welcome to Word of Truth Radio with Reverend Ezuka Obi. Here is your host, Pastor Obi. And this will be our last attribute we're going to look at in this first tron of Erasing God. I'll conclude it on Sunday. So keep it there with me on Sunday by 6 p.m. As you know, there are many attributes we couldn't get to in this first round. But we mentioned them, we mentioned some of them in passing, like um, the immutability of God, we mentioned the unchanging nature of God. I love that one, you know. It tells us that God is unchanging. And because God is unchanging, we can depend on Him and trust His words and His promises. Isn't that awesome? Uh, we also, in passing, talked about God's sovereignty. And uh, that one is a very, very interesting. A lot of misunderstanding of God's sovereignty, especially when it comes to how it is applied to us and how it is applied here on earth. We will probably maybe add it to the next one of raising God next year or whenever the Holy Spirit permits us to do the second run of erasing God. Another one is that God is mysterious. <laughs> I'm not even sure I, I even talked about that in passing. You know, just as he kept the mystery of salvation to himself, he kept to himself the fusing together of Christ and every believer and will become one. I love this one. Do you know why I love it? Because the Bible, when God conducted the marriage of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2, and uh, it was said, there's a phrase, a popular phrase there that says, the two shall become one. The two shall become one. Hold that. I'm going to come back. Let me read the scripture first in Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. The Bible says, the mystery which had been hidden for ages <laughs> and from generations, but now has been revealed to them, to the saints, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And what is that mystery? He said, God revealed this mystery through Christ. He said, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Whenever you give your life to Christ, something happened instantaneously. Christ, which is the anointing, the spirit of Christ entered your human spirit and it diffused together to be one. Now, recall the scripture I quoted first in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. The Bible said, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Notice the word there, flesh. So when Christ entered your salvation, his spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, fused with your human spirit, and they now live in your body. Two spirits living in one flesh. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Two spirits, one flesh. So, the Bible also tells us in, in Ephesians chapter 2 that when Jesus rose from the dead, we were raised with him as well. He didn't just rise alone. We were raised with him. I was says we are raised in Christ and we were in Christ. In, in Ephesians chapter 1, seated in Christ far above principalities of power. So in heaven, Jesus, now flesh and bones, is carrying us as well in his own body. One flesh. 
the spirit of Christ is, of course, is in Christ. Our spirit that resurrected with him is also in him. But we are seated with him at the right hand of God. We are seated in Christ as he's seated at the right hand of God. So the flesh of Christ, which is one flesh, has both the spirit of Christ and our spirit on his inside. Here on earth, our body with our spirit is now fused with the spirit of Christ, two spirits in one flesh. In heaven, two spirits in one flesh. <laughs> you know, Paul describing this mystery in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, said something. He said, for this reason, a man, quoting, quoting Genesis chapter 2, but there's a, there's a difference, shall leave his mother, father, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He now continues to say, he said, this is a great mystery. And in case you are confused, in case he's talking about a man and his wife here on earth, he says, see, I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, I'm going to disappoint a lot of people by the next thing I'm going to say, because we've believed for a long time, and we always do it in marriages. I know I've done it when I've joined a lot of people. I told the man and his wife that going forward, that the two of you <laughs> shall become one flesh. Paul truly explained what that scripture in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 actually means here in Ephesians 5 verse 24 and 25. He said, see, the two people that will become one flesh is not the man and his wife here on earth. See, I've been married for uh, 14 years, going to 15. And my wife and I, our flesh, have not yet become one. My parents, we are married for over almost 50 years before I lost my dad. Their flesh, my mom's flesh and my dad's flesh never became one. And it will not become one even in eternity. So that two, that two shall become one flesh was not talking about the man here and his wife. Paul was the one that explained that mystery. He said the mystery there is the mystery of us and God. Is the mystery of the Christian and God. Is the mystery of a believer and his groom or her groom who is Christ. He said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So listen to this. Now, when you take a piece of bread, yeah? And I take a little, when I take a loaf of bread, I take a little piece from that bread. I have a question I want to ask you and I want you guys to answer me. Ah, I wish I brought a piece, a loaf of bread. But anyway, just imagine it, yeah? I take a little piece from that loaf. That piece in my hand, does it contain the flour in the loaf? Of course it does. Does it contain the sugar in the loaf? Of course it does. Does it contain the baking soda, the baking powder that was added as a yeast in the loaf? Yes, it does. Every ingredient in the loaf of bread is the same ingredient in the piece of bread. Same ingredient. Same ingredient. So listen to this. If Jesus then is your Lord and Savior, then he's your master. That's the word Lord. The word Lord there means master. Now, if he created you in his image, then you are a piece of the master. That makes you a masterpiece 
one of a kind, you are unique, you are treasured, and you are highly favored. Not only that, God made you a joint heir with Christ, who he bequeathed all things to. That makes you a joint signatory to that account that never runs dry. That means one thing for sure, that you carry the master's card. Hallelujah. You are carrying the master's card. The master card that can't, that, 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 that draw from that account that is limitless. Every single one of God's promise that he has made to you because of Christ. You carry the card. Whenever you present that card, everything in that account will accrue to you. Because you're a joint signatory, you're a joint heir with Christ. Everything Christ owns, you own. Hallelujah. So in this September, step out in faith. Go out in faith. Decree those things. Declare those things. Every single word of God in the account. That account is the word of God, is the Bible. Every single promise of God. Declare it with your master card. What is your master card and what is your pin code? Your pin code is in the name of Jesus. Every promise you declare in the name of Jesus, you will receive. Shout a big amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've been made a joint heir with Christ. In heaven, he cannot do anything without you. On earth, you cannot do anything without him. That is why he lives on your inside here on earth. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's only God with us. He is now God in us. <laughs> and you are in him in heaven. In both dimensions and planes, uh, I share one body with him. This is the two that is already one, literally. Hallelujah. So it is time to start cashing from your accounts. Loaded in the joint account with Christ is every promise you desire. Don't put your faith in your faith. Don't say my faith will make it happen. Hallelujah. Don't say my seed or my sacrifice will bring it to me. No, 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 no. Rather put your faith in the finished work of Christ. Rather put your faith in the word and the promises of God. Say, because God's word have said this, I believe it, that settles it. Now, in the name of Jesus, draw from that account. <laughs> Hallelujah. We give you praise. You are one with God. He can never leave you. He can never forsake you. And guess what? You are stuck with him eternally. Glory to God. <laughs> I give you praise. So this is oneness with God. This is God's love in motion. That's why we are married to Christ. <laughs> and that brings me to love. I know some will wonder why we included love as an attribute of God. And you will remember that at the beginning I said love is the nature of God because God is love. Love is more than an attribute of God. Love is who God is. Love is the essence of God. When God bleeds, he bleeds love. When Jesus bled for us, going through his passion, when he was scourged, he bled love. When Jesus bled, when they nailed the crown of thorns on his head, he bled love. When he bled, when they nailed him to the cross, he bled love. When they thrust the spear into his side, he bled love. Love drove him to leave heaven, to come here on earth, to die for me and to die for you. Love drove him to lay down his life. Love drove him to us. Love is more than an attribute of God. It is. It is who, it is who God is. You know, when you see love just as an attribute of God, 
you will have an insufficient understanding of who God is. And that is the truth. And that will affect the way you relate with him. God doesn't just show us love. He is love. All of his attributes are expressed in conjunction with one another. But they all flow from the nature of love. Now, if you have stood in the presence of a great man, you know, you can, you, I'm sure you must have felt something. And when you stand in the presence of intellectuals, you sense their intelligence. You know, I remember in high school, when I used to visit my uncle, who was a Civil War hero back home because he fought for justice and he fought against the genocide of our people back in my country. He was highly educated. He was educated in Oxford University in England. You know, whenever I'm with him, I always felt I'm in the presence of a highly intelligent man. You know, when he moved houses to the the last house before he died, I went visiting one day and he took me to his library. Oh boy. I saw the collection of books in his own personal library. I was like, wow, to think (laughs) that my daddy's library of over 3,000 books was large. It totally trumped my dad's library by a mile. You know, my dad, my uncle commanded so much respect amongst our people. Whenever he speaks, everyone pauses to listen because you are guaranteed that what he will say will be full of wisdom. You know, likewise, when you stand in the presence of God, there is one emotion you always feel. I know I feel it. I always feel love. There's this revelation of God's love that I have for me. You know, I'm overwhelmed and consumed by his love that tears will start running down my eyes. Whenever I worship, that is exactly what I feel. Whenever I worship, I feel God's love, his overwhelming love, embrace and hug me. You know, when you know God has love, everything you know about God changes. And that is the truth. The love of God has for us is sacrificial. You know, he demonstrated this by giving us his son. When God gave Jesus to us, he gave us the best he had. And since he has given us the best he has, he has given us his best. There is nothing, 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 nothing in the whole universe that he can give us, that he cannot give us. Because every other thing in the universe is far inferior to Jesus. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So we should not fall into the trap of thinking that no one loves us. We should not even get depressed if no human being loves us. We should always remember that God loves us unconditionally. We should rest in his love because his love is unconditional. You don't need to do anything for him to love you. And that is the truth. You don't even need to be anything for him to love you. You don't even need to give him anything for him to love you. He loves you all the same. Even when you don't deserve to be loved, he loves you. Even when you go against his word and his will, he still loves you. He loves you unconditionally. See, it is embedded in human nature to receive a reward for good behavior or for good conduct. So when someone, you know, shows us kindness or gives us something out of the blues that we didn't expect, we always question their intention or their motive. We always want to know why he's being nice to us. It is not so with God. God loves his enemies and friends alike. Even when we were his enemies, the Bible told us that God loved us. No, he just cannot help himself because it is his nature. Wow. We humans at times have passed judgment on people and claim that is how God will judge them. Many times we go about expecting to see something evil or bad or our judgment in court, you know, on them. 
to be executed, if you know what I mean. But most times, we end up being disappointed. Most times, the opposite of what we wish for them usually happens. Do you know why? God is not man. If God were man, I doubt if any one of us will survive. But God is love. Hence, we are alive today and well because of his love. I love Lamentations chapter 2, verse 22 and 23. I'll read from the ESV version. The Bible says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. He said, They are new every morning. Hallelujah. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. See, his love for us is steadfast. That means his love for us is constant, unwavering, and intense regardless of what we do or what we've done. Glory be to God. Now, God's love is eternal. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 tells us that. The Bible says that God appeared saying to him, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God's love for us is everlasting. He said, Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you to himself. Praise God. God's love will never end. It's everlasting. His love can never be exhausted. This is encouraging. We cannot run dry of God's love for us. Our human mind cannot comprehend it as well. His love for us is great. <laughs> Ephesians 3 verse 18 says something. Say, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the width, length, depth, height, to know the love of God which passeth knowledge or understanding that we might be filled with the goodness of God. Praise God. So this scripture alerts us to the fact that God's love cannot be measured. It transcends dimensions. It transcends height, depth, width, <laughs> length. The four dimensions. God's love even transcends them all. So, my brothers, so, my friends, never Ever, 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 again, believe when someone tells you that you've run out of God's love, that you've run out of grace, that you've run out of mercy, that you'll be punished because of this or you'll be punished because of that. They are trying to understand God and say things God will do based on their own understanding of man. God is no man that he will lie. God is no man that he will behave like man. God remains God. So I want you to be strengthened in this revelation. I want you to be strong in this insight and understanding. Stand. Don't shake. Don't bulge. Put your faith in it. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That is what his word has said. Rest in his love. And watch him take control of your life, your destiny. And watch him work it all out for your good. Pastor Obi will love to hear from you. Search for Pastor C. Obi on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. I'm really glad you joined me for this episode. Make sure you tune in next week. Same time, same station. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you. Have a blessed week. You are in for a miracle. See you.